Good, I am as well. Get your Bible out, all right, and get your notes out, and thank you, uh, Scott and Julie, and uh, Bible, Matthew 18, we're going to look at. So if you have a Bible, Matthew 18, my name is Pastor Sean. Uh, if you don't know who I am, fantastic. I'm thrilled that you know Pastor David and Pastor Nate, our new pastor. Nate, great to have you. I'm going to start calling him Bishop. Bishop Nate. So, uh, man, it was really great to ordain him a few weeks ago and just really seeing what the Lord's doing here. Uh, you have two handouts I want you to get out, all right? Uh, one is your note sheet. Uh, we have just started a new series called One Mission, and uh, I'm just going to give you the, the goal at the end of the big goal is for you to know Christ ultimately, right? Uh, but the overflow of knowing Christ is generosity to his local church. And so the goal at the end of this is for us to do a one-time offering and an 18-month pledge uh, to help us get a new building here in Gloucester. And uh, it's desperately needed. And uh, we think it's going to be a great tool to do ministry. And, uh, you know, the Owsleys and the Hogs, where'd John go? Is he already back in the... He doesn't want to hear my sermon, does he? 20 years of sermons, he's done with them. Okay, that's fair enough. But uh, these guys were a part of the very first fundraiser we did back at... You remember what it was? I remember what it was. Where was it? Yeah. What? No, it was a deer run. Did it really? I didn't know. I was like, how did a golf course burn down? Somebody just did it really? Yeah, that was our very first fundraiser, and they were a part of it. So thank you guys. Okay, so here's the deal. All right, this, uh, so the goal of this is for all of us to be a part. And by the way, I want you to know, uh, my wife and I are going to be a part. All right, my family's going to be a part. I'm going to actually, my older kids, and we're going to sit down around the table in the next week or so, and I'm going to say, you're all going to be a part. We are going to be a part of helping what God is doing right here in Gloucester, because I believe deeply in this, all right? And, and we really believe in this local church. I know you do. So, so this is a prayer card. Everybody get this out, all right? Um, and so this is, we want you to begin to pray. We want you to pray. I want you to go home this week and begin to pray, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do uh, to be a part of this building campaign? And so, uh, and so here it is, all right? And, and this, uh, this tile is for you when we're done the campaign to bring back, okay? Uh, when we're finished the campaign, we're going to bring this back, and each, all three campuses are going to bring tiles back, and we're actually going to build probably a cross that reminds us of what the Lord has done through us what we were able to accomplish together. Uh, but in the meantime, right now, it's got a magnet. I want you to put it on your fridge or somewhere where you'll see it over the next five weeks and daily pray. I want you to, to pray for a new building, right? And buildings, as Scott said in his testimony, they're, they're not the church. We're the church. They're tools to do ministry. And, uh, and we need a better one here in Gloucester, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, we all know that, right? So we need a better one. And so be in prayer about that. I don't know what Pastor David has told Told you, uh, but we uh, our sh- our focus right now has shifted to a new piece of property about a block away. Okay, we're actually negotiating with the owners of the land behind the Wawa. And uh, did you guys know that? Did you tell them that? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what he's told you, but uh, and so actually this week uh, we're going to see some contracts from them. So you know we're still in the negotiation phase, and negotiations are never fun. It's kind of the business side of it. And it's fine. We'll work it out. But uh, so be in prayer about that. You know we we need the 
the numbers to work uh, for it and, and, and for Coastal Be Well Protectors. We'll be in prayer about that. We need to raise the funds, okay? Um, we need to raise over half a million dollars together as three campuses. And so how are we going to do that? We're asking for a one-time offering of $500 from each, each of us and then a $30 a month pledge. Some of you can't do that much. That's great. Pray, pray, pray. What does the Lord want you to do? Some can do a lot more. You pray, maybe, and see what the Lord wants you to do, okay? And so, and then pray for the whole building process, contracts, negotiations. If we start building, when we start building, safety, right? We want people to be safe. And, and uh, we may even do a little sweat equity, right, to help keep the cost down. So if you're up there volunteering, you know, safety for you. So, so that's where we are, okay? So everybody take, everybody with me? You're not, hold it up so I know you got it, all right? Otherwise, I'll pass one out to you, all right? Uh, but be in prayer and then get your note sheet out. All right. This is your note sheet. We all, along with this next five weeks, we are doing a five week, the re- remainder of the series, five week series, uh, sermon based small groups. If you're not in a small group, we need you to be in a small group. All right. That's where community takes place. And I know there's a lot of small groups up here in Gloucester. So uh, get in one. And this note sheet prepares you for your small group. All right. We do sermon based small groups. So you take some notes, fill in the blanks, anything sticks out to you, write a little extra down, and you will be prepared for your small group, all right? And so Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, we're doing a series uh, where uh, we picked out some times where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, all right? And, and so if Christ and the gospel has invaded our hearts and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, in a very real sense, the kingdom of heaven lives inside of us and it lives inside of our church. And so there's aspects in these stories that Jesus is telling that should look like and be reflected in our church community, right? And uh, I don't know, as I was preparing this, I, uh, I, I was thinking through um, some debts. I don't know if you've ever had a debt that was bigger than you could pay, right? Or And, and, and there's some positive things to that, right? And there's some, you know, I think our mind all automatically goes to the negative things. There's some positive things where people have given to me and to my family. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's a debt I could never repay. I, um, you know, I remember years ago, I was uh, 20, 27 years ago, I was in Africa. I was in Uganda, Africa, and I was in the bush. And, uh, and if you've ever gone on a missions trip, if you haven't, I want you to go on one with Coastal. But uh, when you're on bush time and other in third world countries, like there's just no time. And so I got dropped off at this church in the bush at about 10 o'clock in the morning by a bus. And the guy who drops me off is like, I'll be back later. I had no idea what that meant. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I preach at this little church. It, you know, it started at 10, which means it started at about 1130, you know, and we just kind of went into the afternoon. I preach, I get done. Literally, it's, the, it's late afternoon, dusk is heading. I, I, there, I have no communication. Apparently, a bus is supposed to pick me up, right? And uh, we're in this bush, mud huts. The, the pastor knows I'm getting hungry. He takes me into his house, and, and I mean, it's a mud hut not, not much bigger than this stage. And he pulls out a donut and a Coke, right? And he gives it to me. And I'm like, I'm blown away because I know he's given me his very best, right? And, and just, you know, I mean, certainly I could repay him financially, but there's a little bit of me like, man, I, I was just blown away by that. This morning, uh, this weekend's been, it's been an interesting week for me and my family. My wife's grandma, uh, 93-year-old grandma passed away, and she was just like a spiritual matriarch in our home and in our family. And so we just got back from Long Island, New York last night. And so um, 
this morning I get up, my 19-year-old my son's getting ready to drive to Florida and today, and so he's got a long drive in front of me, and I said to him, what time are you leaving? And last night we were on the phone, he says, I'm leaving about 10 o'clock. And I said, yeah, that's probably a good time. It gives you enough time to get down there and get a good night's rest. You know, he's driving by himself. So I was a little concerned about that. And so this morning, before I come up here, I watch him get up, and I just thought he was going to leave this morning. He gets up, and he drives to Coastal Community Church, 8 o'clock service, all by himself. And I'm like, what kind of 19-year-old does that? So let me connect some dots for you, okay? I'm thinking about, as I'm driving home, and I'm watching my son this morning, I'm thinking about my wife's grandma, who was just a spiritual giant, love the Lord Jesus. I mean, you, you know, when you, do, when you do funerals for 93-year-olds, they're usually really small because all their friends, this place was packed. And, and there was just, you know, a lady, there was a couple of ladies that flew in from Texas because my wife's grandma took them in when they were homeless in the 90s and they just wanted to be there. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? And, and so I watched her invest in my wife, who's now invested in my son, you know, where a 19-year-old kid gets something. And there's, so, like, there's this debt that I'm like, I just can't repay that. I'm just so great. My heart is so full. There's also the other side of a debt you can't repay, right? And this morning, we're going to talk about the debt of sin that Christ took for us, right? And, and, and so Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, you guys know this story, right? The kingdom of God uh, really is an incredible heart change that invades our hearts and lives. And this heart change then changes our behavior towards one another. And so this morning, I want to talk about how we have been generously forgiven. Last week, we talked about what's the heartbeat of what we're, what's the, what, are, what is it we're ultimately doing? We're ultimately talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The language of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a language of forgiveness. And I really believe this, the overflow of forgiveness is generosity. You're not going to be a generous person if you really haven't contemplated the debt that God has forgiven us in Christ. And so in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story, right? And the story is precipitated by Peter, right? It's actually when a lot of, let me ask you this. Maybe you guys know this. See how many, my staff, I asked my staff this a couple weeks ago and they got it. And uh, I said, when I throw out the, the Matthew 18, what comes to mind? Does anybody immediately know what comes to mind in Matthew 18? Most churches talk about this. Anybody? Janelle? Church discipline, right? So we hear Matthew 18, church discipline, right? But what's fascinating is Jesus does teach on church discipline, but the very next thing after church discipline is the apostle Peter talking about forgiveness. And so, you know, as I thought about church discipline, I really think church discipline is in the context of us being a forgiving community, right? And so Peter uh, says to Jesus, as he gets done teaching on church discipline, he says, well, listen, uh, I've forgiven like seven you know, I've forgiven seven times. Like when someone offends me, I forgive seven times. Now, what you have to know is that the, the, the teaching of the day was if someone offended you, you forgave them three times. After it's, you know, it's probably the roots of baseball, right? Three strikes and you're out, the kind of thing. And so, and so, and Jesus said, and then so Peter thinking, man, let me display my righteousness and my generosity of forgiveness. He says, you know, Jesus, I forgive up to seven times. And then Jesus says, it's not seven times, it's 70 times seven, which by the way, is not a math equation, right? And so, and so then Jesus tells this story and he tells the story of a man who owed a king, just an insurmountable, 10,000 talents. It's just an insurmountable amount of money. And, um, 
And, and the king decides he wants to settle accounts. He says, you know, I'm going to sell you. And the man doesn't have the money. He says, I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell your family, your property, everything. He begs for forgiveness. He says, could you, you know, just give me mercy? And the king not only gives him mercy, he says, I'm going to forgive your debt. And so this man then goes out on the street and he finds somebody that owes him about a hundred denarii, and we'll come back to that in a minute. And, and he's not generous in forgiving the, uh, this this fellow servant who owed him money, just a hundred denarii, and he takes him, he throws him in the jail. And when the master gets word of this, he ta- it's some of the harshest language in the New Testament is for this, gen- this man that was not forgiving to someone that owed him a hundred denarii. And the, the master takes him and throws him in the prison. So let's check, check this out, okay? So point number one is this, all right? I want you to write this down. It, it stems from Peter's question. And the question is, when have, I forg- when have I forgiven enough? That's where this whole story comes from, right? This is where we find Peter. He's kind of showing off that he, he thinks he's far outpaced uh, other, the other disciples in his ability to forgive. And so in Matthew 18, 21, it says, then Peter came up and he said to him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother's sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but I say to you 70 times seven, right? And, and so like I already said, like the, the common teaching of the day is you forgave somebody three times. Peter thinks he's going over and above at seven times. And Jesus completely changes the equation, right? And he says, not 77 times, it's 70 times seven. And by the way, this is not like, because here's the deal. If you've been married for more than a decade and you're actually keeping score, you may forgive the same sin in your spouse 490 times. So it's not a math equation, right? And so uh, the, the idea is this unending uh, generosity of forgiveness. And, and when we think about that, like that's impossible to do apart from the work of Christ, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so it's in this context that Jesus tells the story. So look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. It says, therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he couldn't pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees and imploring, he said, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave his debt. Point number two, all right? God forgives our insurmountable debt. God in Christ forgives our insurmountable debt. And here's what I want you to know about God in Christ forgiving our insurmountable debt. This forgiveness came at a tremendous cost to God, okay? There's a tremendous cost to God for our forgiveness, Part of the reason I think that the gospel in America is not being as effective as it could or should be is is this idea that we have forgotten how much God has forgiven us in Christ by not considering things from God's point of view. I think many of us, when it comes to forgiveness, we, we compare ourselves to one another and we forget to compare ourselves to the very character of our God. 
There's a lack of preaching in our culture around the holiness of God and the offense of man's sin to God. And so what we've done is we've kind of compared ourselves to one another, but we have not considered, man, what, how have I offended God and his holy character. I remember years ago, some of y'all have heard me told this story before, but I remember years ago, my wife and I were, uh, we lived in a neighborhood, we were walking our dog, and in the neighborhood, there was posted on all the fences uh, to, uh, to pick up your dog's poop. Okay, uh, this is a poop story. So uh, and so we're and so we're walking our dogs, and it was posted everywhere. And as we start walking, I hadn't even we didn't bring a bag, right? And so my dog goes to the bathroom right off the edge of the sidewalk. It's so embarrassing. Cars are driving by. And you're like, oh man, you know. So so we just kind of like she's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we just sheepishly walk off, right? And so we just leave our dogs poop, totally violating the code of the neighborhood. And uh, so we get about a mile down the road. And right in the middle of the sidewalk is this pile of poop so big it looked like somebody had walked a cow, okay? And so you're just like somebody's pet cow. And my wife, and I'm not, my wife's a great godly woman. I hate to throw her under the bus, but this is a fantastic story, okay? So uh, my wife looks at this pile of poop and she says, can you believe someone left that poop here? And I said, honey, we just left our poop back there. And she said, yeah, but our poop's not as big as this poop, you know? And that's kind of how we see our sin when we compare it to one another, right? Well, my junk, my crap ain't as bad as their crap kind of thing, right? And we literally compare ourselves to one another. And when we do that, we fail to grasp the greatness of God's generosity in forgiving us. Amen, church? We have to think of forgiveness from God's perspective. There's a great uh, picture in, the, in Isaiah chapter 6, and you'll see this come up on your screen, where Isaiah catches a glimpse. And by the way, I, I always get really weird when people tell me they've seen God, right? or seen an angel, right? When there's all kinds of books written about that, little glimpses of whatever people get. Because anytime in scripture where someone sees an angel or sees God, they fall down like dead men, right? It's, it's a terrifying, intimidating place to be. And Isaiah gets this little glimpse of the immeasurably eternal, unfathomable holiness of God, the Bible calls, anytime God, usually in scripture, when God is referred to as holy, oftentimes it's, it's thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy means set apart. God is not like you and I. In Isaiah chapter six, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. This, this is the idea of his exaltation, his sovereignty, his rule. He was high and lifted up, and the, and the train, just the, the back end of the robe of God, filled the temple. And above him were, stood the seraphim, and these are angelic creatures, and they had six wings. And with two, the seraphim covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And by the way, the, the, the seraphim are not sinners, okay? They're just creatures, and they're, they're righteous, and they're not unrighteous. They're not sinful. They're not broken. But even the, 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 the seraphim have the, the wherewithal to cover in the presence of God. 
And with two, he flew, and one called to another. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called out, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, this is, woe is me. I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And by the way, this is a prophet. This is one of the people you go, man, they must have it together. His crap ain't as bad as my crap kind of thing, right? And even he in the presence of God, right? He says, I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For the eyes, my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand, uh, his, in his hand a burning coal. They taken from tongs from the altar, and he uses this to purify Isaiah. And he says, he touched my mouth. He said, behold... This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Listen, if you somehow imagine that your good works will, your, you know, your righteousness will lead to God's pardon, you, you haven't understood the gospel at all. See, our, our pro, we have this major problem in the presence of a holy God that we are hopelessly and helplessly separated because of our sin. Your hope and my only hope is the gracious intervention of God himself saving us and delivering us, you ready for this, from his character, from who he is and what our sin deserves and what uh, the just punishment that your sin and, and my sin deserves. And God in his grace, how did he do that? He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who Paul says this in, first, in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. I mean, can you imagine knowing no sin? We, we, we're born into sin. We, we live with the effects of brokenness and sin, and it leads to all kinds of problems in our life. Christ knew no sin, but God in his grace made him to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's incredible, right? It's, we've been forgiven this incredible debt in Christ. And by the way, and this is a side note, not only does God forgive Isaiah and forgive us in Christ, he then invites us to be a part of what he's doing, right? This is why I really, really believe this is we're doing a, a campaign. And you ready? You guys are praying about giving away your hard-earned money. It's a big ask of Coastal Community Church. And I really believe we will not be a generous people until we understand the depth of our forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to generosity because what does Isaiah do? The very next verse, God says, hey, wait a minute, I need to send somebody. He invites Isaiah to be a part of what he's doing. And what's Isaiah once he's forgiven? If Isaiah chapter six is a side note, Isaiah six verse eight, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will I go, who will go for us? And what does Isaiah do? I'm in. Here I am, send me, right? When you understand the depths of your forgiveness, not only are you grateful, but you're generous and you want other people to know the incredible forgiveness of God offered to us in Christ. And so when you're looking at your local church, you say, man, this local church is the, the bringing the gospel. You're not gonna be ungenerous until you go, I've been forgiven and I want other people to know the generosity of God in Christ. Amen, church? And so I really want you to think and consider the gospel, because forgiven people are generous, forgiven people are motivated, and forgiven people are free. Letter B, 
Forgiveness, while came at a high cost to God in Christ, forgiveness is free to us. It's totally free to you. It's completely free to me. We confess that we're sinners and we repent of our sin and we believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We acknowledge I'm a sinner. I believe in who Jesus said he is, the Son of God who died for our sin and rose again from the grave and I receive him in our life. I am forgiven. There's no doing. You don't have to leave here today trying to earn salvation. You don't even have to give to the building fund to try to get into heaven. It doesn't work that way. That's why Jesus hung on the cross and he says, it is what? Finished. Your, your, your forgiveness is completely free to you. It's not due, it's done. The insurmountable debt that your sin owed to the holy God has been paid for. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. We are forgiven because, and it's freed us because God in Christ has forgiven us. And so, as I've already made, let her see, forgiving, uh, God in Christ has been forgiving and generous to us. So this servant, he's forgiven, he's set free because the master is generous to him, okay? And then in verse 29 to 30, okay, this, um, this servant, as Jesus is telling the story, he goes out and finds another servant who owes him money, okay? And the text actually says he owes him 100 denarii, okay? That's plural for denarius, all right? He owes him 100 of those. And if you remember last week's story, right? When the servants worked for a day, what was the wage that they got? Anybody remember? One denarius, right? Which is a high-end wage, but it's a, it's a high-end wage for a day's worth of work. So he's owed a hundred of these. So I just want you to understand, I think a lot of times we, we read this story, and a lot of y'all are familiar with this story, right? And you say, well, it's a small amount, and it is a small amount in comparison to 10,000 talents, but it's still a pretty large hurt, it's still a pretty large debt. And I say that because, because when we walk in this sinful world, we've been hurt by other people, right? Some of you have even had to process abuse. Like, and so it's not like it's no small amount. It's, it's probably a half year's worth of wage, okay? Uh, but it's, it's a debt and a hurt nonetheless that someone else owes them. But in comparison, right, it's a small amount, and, and, and what we learn from this story really quickly is, is that, you know, he's not generous in forgiving the fellow servant. Because when you, when, number three, when, you're free, when you freely forgive, and uh, when we've been forgiven, all right, as people have been forgiven, we freely forgive. This is, the, of course, the point of the story, and we're generous with others, when you understand, man, that's why it's important not to look laterally at our forgiveness, but to look to the Lord. When we understand the depths and the amount that we've been forgiven by God in Christ, then we are generous in forgiving others. We're not, letter A, we're not keeping score, right? We're not keeping score. Um, unlike Peter, right? Verse 21, Peter was keeping score. I, uh, some of you all, and, and like this, this really applies to marriage, right? It's really easy to keep score in marriage. Me and my wife sometimes do it for fun. I think it's for fun. I don't know. Maybe we're arguing. But anyway, but, uh, you do that. Well, I did. And, you, and I remember when you, and out comes the scorecard. 
Now, I remember years ago when I first got into pastoral ministry, and this, I always tell, I like to tell the story because it discourages too many people to come see me for counseling. I'm not a very good counselor, right? You know, if this hurts, I say, stop doing that then. That hurts, okay? So, uh, and so, but I remember this couple, I was meeting with them, and first time meeting, I was like, hey, what's going on? And I, I heard from uh, this lady just this list of complaints against her husband, and it went on and on and on and on, and it was passionate. I was like, okay. So I just was processing and praying about it. And I wanted to start working on that. We meet the second time. And before I could even get a word out, I heard the entire list for an hour again in my counseling meeting. And so I scheduled a third appointment with them. And a third appointment, guess what happened? I heard the third list. I heard this list all the way over the third time. I couldn't even get a word out. And she was passionate. She was angry. And I'm sitting here thinking, I've had three meetings. I've heard it three times. I can't even imagine how many times he's heard it, right? And so here's what I did. This is, this is counseling, ter- like if you're a professional counselor, you're gonna say that is terrible technique. Here's what I did. This is back in the day of paper calendars. I went and I got a paper calendar and I threw it on her lap and I said, circle the day you wanna forgive him and then we'll start working together. <laughs> no, none of y'all gonna come see me for counseling, are you? So, <laughs> <laughs> because, listen, because if you're keeping score, and we do this all the time, that's why, what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? Love keeps no, what? Record of, that's forgiveness, right? Keeps it, and this applies to marriage. If you're gonna keep a record of wrong for each other, instead of you, you, not only will you be hysterical with one another, you will be historical with one another, okay? And it just goes on and on keep no score, right? Forgiveness doesn't keep score. It doesn't keep score with your spouse or your church or your coworker or your boss or your roommate. Scorekeepers don't forgive and they certainly don't show generosity. And so we freely, let her be, we freely forgive as we've been forgiven, right? That's what the second, this, this servant who owed 10,000 talents didn't do, right? Matthew 18, 32, right? Then the master, so he finds out that he didn't forgive his fellow servant. And, and these are some of the strongest words of the New Testament. He says, then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Listen, this is the kingdom principle for a local church. We are to, and this is a kingdom principle for your marriage. If you, the two of you are believers, and I hope and trust that you are, you have to be forgiven. You have to start with, I have, the debt that I owe God is insurmountable. He's forgiven me, Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west. How dare, I am in no position to keep score with my wife or my husband. I'm in, I'm in no position to keep score with my pastor. who did, He led the church the way I wouldn't have led it or whatever, a local small group person. Like I'm in no position to keep score because God has not kept score with me. He's forgiven me in Christ. And because we've been forgiven, we are a church of, letter C, of forgiveness and generosity. We forgive one another in our church body. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. I love this verse. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? As God in Christ forgave you. We serve together in unity. We serve together in unity, church, because we're people that have been forgiven. Listen, what, the vision that I shared at the beginning of this, the vision for 2020, 
it's going to take every single person that calls Coastal Community Church their home church to be a part. I, want you, I really want you to hear that. As you're praying, if this is your home church, and I'm glad that it is, and God's got some incredible things for, you, for us as a church, for you as a person, but no person can make this ha- happen on their own, and no one campus can make it happen on our own. You, you don't get to opt out of this. I need you to be a part. I need you to be praying. I don't want, I won't, you know, as you look around the room, you can't go, man, someone else is going to carry this vision. No, there's no, you're, you're it. You be praying about the vision. We serve together in unity and we're, and we're generous towards each other. Listen, we're going to, by the end of this six weeks, we're going to be asking for your financial generosity as an overflow of forgiveness and knowing the gospel of Christ. And so as you're doing that, listen, I want you to understand you're being generous towards others. The vision for a new facility is way more about others. A facility is about people. A church is about people. It, it's about you that are here, right? We, 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 we need a better facility for corporate worship, right? I, 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 we got into this space. It was a great space for, to get us started. It was inexpensive. We didn't have to dump a lot of resources into it. It's positioned us to dump some of our resources into a new building. But let's be honest, we walk in here, you feel like you're in an office building, right? It just, it doesn't feel like a corporate We want when people come in, we want them to know we're here to worship the Lord. It's a corporate space, right? It, it's for you guys. We want to give the children that are part of this church a great children's space in a spot where they didn't used to change oil, okay? Like it's, you know, we get it. It's not the best children. It's a great star. It's not where it's, it's, it's for you and for your families to grow in the Lord. We, we want to have a space for our students and for our small groups and for our spiritual formation class. I see we have a lot of young kids back there. Listen, in a blink, they're going to be high school students, right? We want to have a great space for them to have, do high school ministry, right? We, the facility is about people that aren't here yet, Right? Your neighbors that you've been inviting and that you've been talking to, and, and, and some of them have come, and it, it kind of has that small church feel, right? And we, wanna, we believe God's got more influence for this church than that in this community. And so, and so it's for people that are not here to hear the gospel. There's people in the Gloucester community that are hanging on by a thread, and they need the gospel, and they need spiritual community, the facilities for others, right? Your generosity is for others. Listen, there's some Christians in this community that don't have a healthy church. And, um, and I assure you, healthy churches are not easy to find. Amen? Coastal's a healthy church. We're really, really, I really believe this is filled with people that understand the gospel and they're forgiving towards one another. We work through our messes together and we love each other so the gospel goes forward. And so there's even some Christians in this community like, hey, we've got a healthy church. We want you to be a part. We want you to grow in your discipleship, to connect, grow, and serve, develop as an authentic follower of Christ. And so this facility is about others. It's about people that are here, people that aren't here. It's about people across the world. Did you know when you give the Coastal Community Church 10 cents of every dollar goes to missions? You guys are making an impact in Thailand, in Zimbabwe, in Bolivia, in Honduras, in Puerto Rico. I'm sure I'm even missing some, but man, you are making an impact all around the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, we believe this facility is going to help us to reach more people in Gloucester. It's going to make us help us to make more of a global impact. Isn't that cool? All right. And how does it, where's it come from? It comes from people that know they're forgiven. And forgiven people are generous people. And so we're going to, by the grace of God, we need to fulfill this vision he's given us together.
And so um, knowing his forgiveness, man, it makes us others-minded and generous towards others, okay? So here's how I'm going to finish the service today. This is really important to me. Um, As I was thinking through, how how do I really remind us that we're forgiven? You know what came to my mind? The Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper together and, and... and, and it reminds us that, uh, man, God in Christ has forgiven us, and it was at a high, high cost to him. Free to me, free to you. I'm so grateful for God's forgiveness to me. I'm so grateful. My eternity has been secured because of Christ. You know, and I, I just, I'm emotional because I just went to a funeral of a loved one yesterday. It's really, really hard, but I know she's with the Lord, and I want, I'm so grateful that I'm going to see her, my wife's grandma again, and there's people in this community that need to know that, amen? And so we're going to take the Lord's Supper to remind us of the incredible forgiveness that God has given us in Christ. And I didn't want to pass the elements this morning. I know the building's super tight, and I asked David, I said, I really want us to get up and take the elements, and here's why. As we take these elements this morning, my intent is to remind us, one, of our dependence on Christ, and two, of our interdependence on one another. In other words, I want you to bump into people today, okay, because you need the people you're bumping into as you take the Lord's Supper. It's going to require all of us working together in unity to fulfill the vision that God has given us in Christ. So Luke 22, we'll take the Lord's Supper in just a moment. Jesus said this. He said, he instituted the Lord's Supper in Luke 22, 19. He says, he took the bread when he'd given thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, he said, This cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. And so three things as you take these elements. Number one, as you take the the bread and the fruit of the vine, you're reminded that your sin has been cleared because of the broken, bloodied body of Jesus Christ. He paid for your sin. He paid the debt you could never pay. He bore the wrath that your sin deserved. And these elements remind you that Christ died for you and paid for your sin. Number two, as you take these elements, you take them in you, right? You eat them, you drink them, and it reminds us that Christ is in us. When we repent of our sin, we believe in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us, conforming us more and more into his image. And this gives us life and hope and purpose and drive and forgiveness and generosity. Every single one of us as Christians have a reason to get out of bed tomorrow and worship the Lord with our lives because we've been forgiven in Christ. And then finally, as we take these elements, they also remind us to look forward to the day that our faith becomes sight, because here's the deal. It reminds us not, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the grave, right? And he conquered the grave. And because he conquered the grave, the penalty of sin, which is death, has been defeated by our Savior, Jesus. And so we as believers know that we have eternal life. Isn't that great news? Great news. And so... You don't have to be a church member of Coastal to take these elements. We just ask that you're a follower of Jesus. And by the way, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's working on you and you want to be, it's really simple. Acknowledge you're a sinner. I've rebelled against God. And God did something to forgive me. He intervened with his own son who died for us and he rose from the grave. Repent, believe, and receive Christ in your heart in these quiet moments. And then go take the Lord's Supper. as your first act as a follower of Jesus to say, you know what, I believe this stuff. I'm in, I'm a follower of Christ because I've been, my debt's been forgiven by God in Christ.
And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Nate to come up. He's going to play some music. And then when you're ready, I want to take you, just take a moment, set your affections on the Christ. If there's somebody you've been keeping score against and you haven't forgiven, like take a few moments and say, you know what, Lord, I, 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 for, I need to for, turn judge justice over to you. I don't have to hold on to this anymore. You're, you're, you're in charge of justice. Forgive them before you take the offering, uh, take the elements today, okay? So let's pray. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Nate's going to play. After you all have taken the elements, Nate will close us out, I think. Does that sound good, guys? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, the debt that we've been forgiven is incredible. And so we're really, really grateful. Really, really thankful. And, and, and so this makes our lives an act of worship, God. We, we could never pay the debt that we owe you, and yet you intervened. You took care of it for us. And that we can stand in your presence holy and righteous and just, not because of doing, but because of done. Christ has done it. He paid our debt, and he clothed us in his righteousness by grace through faith. And so we take these elements this morning reminding us how incredible of a God that you are. And we take them together. We get up and we take these elements together reminding ourselves we also need one another in our spiritual journey, the local church. And so we thank you. We praise you for your forgiveness. And may the overflow of our forgiveness be forgiveness to one another generosity with one another. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you're ready, you take these